Good morning. <laughs> so I'm going to talk this morning on peace. It's the theme of the theme of the morning. Um, this is the season of peace. I don't know how many Christmas cards you've received with a dove on the front or that says, "Tis the season of peace." Um, we heard Dennis read there was a prophecy over 700 years before Christ was born, and it spoke of the Prince of Peace coming into the world. And of his kingdom, there will be no end to peace. And then when the shepherds on the hillside, um, when, the, when, when Jesus was born, a host of angels appeared and they said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those among whom he favors. So there was this incredible promise that with the birth of Jesus, would, it would be fulfilled, this promise of peace. And yet... The circumstances in which Jesus was were born were far from peaceful. Firstly, he was born into a stable with plenty of animals. So I think Mary's birth plan sort of hit the dust. Um, the very reason that they were in Bethlehem was because they were under an oppressive regime and the Roman Emperor Caesar needed to understand how many people were there so that he could tax them more. And then when Herod, king of the Jews, got wind that Jesus was about to be born... He um, was so insecure that someone would come along and take his fame and his power and his influence that he um, ordered a genocide of all children under two years old. And so Jesus spent the first years of his life fleeing, afraid as a refugee in a foreign land. The circumstances around the birth of Jesus were far from peaceful. And you fast forward then 30 years towards his ministry, and it's not particularly peaceful either. Jesus caused division. A lot of people didn't like what he was about. Um, and we know that ultimately his death was one of the most cruel and horrific deaths there was to experience. Peace is mentioned 400 times in the Bible. A quarter of those are said by Jesus himself. So he talked a lot about peace. Two really significant moments just before he died. He gathered his uh, disciples together for, for a meal and he said these words. He said, um, where is it? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then the very first words that he says as he is risen from the dead, he turns up to those same disciples and he says, peace be with you. So he talked all the time about this peace. And yet those situations that they were in, one facing this horrific death, and the other, these disciples were running completely scared because of their association with him. They were torn apart by grief, and they were in this turmoil about what was going to happen to them, and Jesus' words to them were peace. So there seems to be this slight disconnect between the peace that's promised and the reality of their circumstances and the situation that they find themselves in. So the question is, do we have the right understanding of peace? Um, the popular conception of peace, a dictionary definition, is uh, freedom from disturbance or freedom from anxiety. Um, I don't know what you think of when um, I say, what does it look like to have a moment of peace and quiet in your life? Um, Matt and I were walking the southwest coastal path one summer, and we, and we ended up being behind two elderly ladies, and we eavesdropped in on their conversation. And one lady said to the other, so are the grandkids, are they, are they, have, you, have you had them with you? And Gladys, the other one, said, oh, yes, yes. 
And she said, how was it? And she said, gone. <laughs> and um, I know that my, my parents and my parents-in-law really love having us for Christmas, but I'm sure the conversation once we leave is something along the lines of that. And they suddenly get their peace and quiet back. Um, there's a, a lovely picture of um, John Wesley, the great 18th century uh, revivalist in the Methodist church. He, he has a picture of his mother, who had 19 kids. Um, whenever she needed a, peace, a moment of peace and quiet, she sat down at her kitchen table and she put her apron over her head. So Matt, wherever you are, I know I've only got three kids, but put that on the Christmas list. Um, actually, in our house... The, the place of peace and quiet is the loo. Um, picture this. It's, it's supper time. The kids are really hangry. Um, it's chaos. There's food everywhere. They're not sitting down. It's just a nightmare. And Matt chips up and says, just need the loo. <laughs> and off he goes. But on his way out, he picks up a book or two, his phone maybe, even his laptop at times. And then he's gone for about half an hour. The funny thing is, my son has now cottoned on to this. This, the, the, the loo is, is the place of privacy. So um, he doesn't take a book, though. He, he takes a pair of scissors, a Pritt stick, and a bunch of paper, and he crafts on the loo. <laughs> All kinds of interesting creations come out because he knows that that's the only place where his little sisters won't try and grab and pull and snatch. Um, so where is your place of peace and quiet? Where do you go? Um, so we have this understanding of peace that is a sort of absence of uh, disturbance, an absence of trouble. If only we could hit the pause button, if only we could get away, if only we could escape it all. The emails from work, that difficult situation that keeps going around our head, that decision we feel so divided about, how do we get a sense of peace? If only we could just hit the pause button. But a thing about this sort of peace is as soon as you have it, it's gone again. It's really easily shattered. Jesus said, peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So perhaps our conception of peace is a bit wrong. If this is the worldly sense of peace, the sense of escapism, the sense of getting away, what does it mean to have the peace of Christ? Um, there's a theologian called Helmut Thielicke who describes this difference, the difference between a worldly sense of peace and the peace that Christ gives us in a really nice image that I thought I'd just describe to you. He, he describes two paintings. Um, on the one hand, there's a painting, um, and in the foreground, it's, it's a really light uh, scene. It's, the characters are, are playing, they're playful, they're doing something, it's, it's bright. But in the background, there is a dark, stormy setting. It's almost like uh, a storm cloud is just about to hit. In the other picture, the characters in the foreground are involved in something quite intense, some, something quite challenging. It's very dark in the foreground, but the background is light. It's clear, there's a horizon, it's bright. And he describes the, the difference as this. A worldly kind of peace is like a, an oasis, but there's a storm coming. There's a storm bearing down, and you're trying everything possible to keep that storm away, but suddenly it's going to break and shatter your peace. Whereas the peace that Christ gives is in the midst of something quite challenging, a circumstance that's quite challenging, but there's a brighter horizon. 
there's something that if you lift your head, that you can have hope and assurance. There's a, there's a future. You're part of something bigger, a bigger landscape that surrounds you. This is what is so completely different from our modern conception of peace, is that the peace that Christ gives is not at all contingent on our circumstances. We try and grab and control our circumstances all the time. We try and grasp a sense of peace. If only I could just get peace in the midst of this situation. But the peace that Christ gives is not that at all. It says that despite your circumstance, right in the middle of your circumstances, I can bring peace. And that peace will lift your head and it will situate you and your, in your circumstances in the broader picture of what Christ is doing in your life, what Christ is working in you, through you, in that of others, and the bigger story of what Christ is doing to redeem this world. So firstly, peace is a peace that is completely despite our circumstances. It's in the midst of our circumstances. It's almost like a ground note that runs through our circumstances and it anchors us. And it doesn't get swayed by the changing weather patterns or our changing circumstances. But secondly, peace is not this sort of vague condition that comes over us. Um, it's not a sort of mindset that you get that says, just crack on um, this British stiff upper lip. The peace of Christ is an active and living power in our lives. If we look at the uh, Philippians passage that Dennis wrote to us, there's this really interesting phrase, and it says that peace will guard your hearts and your minds. The verb guard is um, far more active in the original language. It's actually a military term, and it literally means that peace will guard your hearts and minds like a soldier marches around the ramparts of your heart, fending off the enemy. The peace that we receive in Christ, it's not a reactive uh, thing that happens when a difficult circumstance comes at us. It's actually an active force that, that, that literally rules in our lives. In Colossians, it says peace rules in your, in your heart. It, it protects us. It's there, as, a, as, a, as I said, as a ground note, it's there to anchor us. It, it doesn't it, it's constantly at, at work. It's not a reactive thing. So peace, the peace of Christ is there despite our circumstances. We can't control our circumstances, but let's not let circumstances rule us. Let's let the peace of Christ rule us because it is an active power at work in us. So how do we get peace and how do we cultivate it? How do we get it? Well, I think popular culture would say it's about technique. There are probably bookshelves upon bookshelves, if you go into any bookshop, on uh, techniques to deal with anxiety, to deal with uh, uh, calming yourself, peace. And, and, and those are all, I'm sure, really, really important. But they are not the source of peace. We can't get this Christ-like peace from outside of ourselves, but nor can we get it inwardly. We can't just conjure up a sense of peace ourselves. The only source of peace is in Jesus Christ. It's a peace that we have to receive as a gift. In, in um, Philippians, it says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's not that it's some kind of mysterious, lofty thing, but it's because literally the human mind couldn't construct it. It is a gift from God. 
I find it fascinating that the first words Jesus says once he's resurrected to his disciples is, peace be with you. His first words. What are the first words we hear when we encounter difficult circumstances? Is it peace be with you? We need to receive it. And then how do we cultivate it? It's really simple, and that's prayer. It just com- it's such an intimate relationship between the level of peace we feel and the degree to which we're offering up in prayer that we're communing with Jesus Christ, the source of all peace. In Philippians, it talks about, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God actually cares about every single detail in our lives. He deeply cares about all of our circumstances. There is not one thing that he is not concerned about. He wants us to bring that all to him. He's a compassionate God. He cares deeply. He's not the kind of God that just says, crack on. He's the kind of God who wants to experience what we are going through, be right in the midst of it. But we mustn't forget the other side of that, that verse, which says, with prayer and supplication, but with thanksgiving. And it's absolutely essential that we have a heart of gratitude when we pray, that we are bringing before him at the same time as our completely honest and raw experiences. We're reminding ourselves who Jesus is, and we're thankful to him for it. We are bringing before him um, praise and thankfulness that he is the God who saves, that he is the God of enduring love, that he is steadfast, and all those things that come to mind. If we struggle to do this, just read back scripture. It's all in scripture. If you don't have words of your own, the Psalms, it's all through the Psalms, it's all through scripture. We need to pray with gratitude in our hearts because what it does is it reminds us of who he is, that he saves, not ourselves. We can't save ourselves from our circumstances. We need to remember that he saves us We submit to the will of Christ and we learn to trust. Um, The theologian William Barclay says in prayer, we need to remember three things. Number one, that he loves us. He is intimately uh, interested in our situation and our circumstances. But we also need to remember the wisdom of God, that he does know what is the right thing for us. And we need to trust him for that. And finally, the power of God, that he can change things. And if we can remember the love, the wisdom, and the power of Christ, that is when we experience the peace of Christ. Someone else said, peace is the fruit of believing prayer. If we can pray and trust him, then we can experience peace. I really love um, the message Bible translation of the Philippians passage. I'm just going to read it now. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I think you can tell a real person of peace who has Christ's peace in them because they have this sense of poise about them, a steadiness. They have a settling downness, <laughs> as you like, because they've experienced the peace. And it's not because their circumstances are rosy. It's because they've learned what it is to have peace in the midst of it all. So I just want to end back at Christmas. So there was this incredible promise of peace 
from 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace would come. And then Jesus comes to earth, the peace child. Not as a form of escapism to lift us out of our circumstances, but comes to be with us, God with us, right in the midst of our circumstances, to bring us peace. I sort of, it sort of makes sense to me that God would come as a baby, as a newborn baby, as the Prince of Peace, because although babies aren't that peaceful when they get older, if you catch them in the first few days, they actually sleep 21 hours a day. They're unbelievably peaceful. Um, we have one in our congregation right now, gorgeous little Jack, a very, very peaceful little baby. Um, and babies have this sort of symbol of peace. They're amazing to hold. They are somehow settling. Um, when we had our first baby, and we had really no idea what we were doing, um, when we managed to pluck up enough courage to leave the house, um, we'd walk across the park, and it was just before Christmas, and we'd go to a pub, and we'd, we'd order a drink before we headed back home. And we'd sort of get the baby out of the sling and just pop him on the table between our two pints. Um, but on two, and it happened twice, on two occasions, um, complete strangers would come up to us and with no prompting or um, we didn't initiate anything, they just started to tell us about their lives. They just sort of started opening up. And um, they talked a lot about the pain in their lives but there was also a sort of tone of, of hope, of something about the future. And the impression of those evenings has really stayed with me, and I, I always remember it at Christmas time. When I think back to the stable 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem, and I think about the newborn, tiny baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, sleeping in that manger. And I think about the shepherds who've heard this unbelievable promise of peace on earth from the angels and they come to visit the, the child and they're a ragtag bunch they're the lowest of the low in society their lives are really hard really tough really difficult and they come in and I imagine them kneeling before the manger kneeling before this tiny sleeping babe and I wonder what sort of things it stirred up in them um, what sort of brokenness or experiences that they were feeling. But I also imagine that it lifted their heads, that they experienced something of that backdrop, that bright horizon, that uh, hope, that, re that reassurance, that they were part of this bigger story, that they were part of this unbelievable redemption story that not only was for them, but was also them playing a part in the story that would ultimately save humanity. So I just wanted to end with a question. Do you know this piece? As we come to Christmas, and as you imagine yourself coming towards that manger, kneeling before that manger, can you experience this Christ-like peace? Heavenly Father, we just invite you right now, Prince of Peace.
I'm aware that in the room right now there are all kinds of different circumstances. And there is a lot of pain and brokenness as well as joy and celebration. And Father, despite wherever we're at, despite those circumstances, we ask you right now to come and bring your peace. Would you be actively working in our hearts? Would you remind us of who you are? That you are working all things for good 